Good afternoon, Love Talk Radio. And we are on live with Lunch with Lachlan today. And this week's topic is the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth with Lachlan Arts, People's Ontological Party, Presidential Candidate, 2012. So let's make way for Mr. Lachlan Arts. Welcome, Lachlan. Welcome, 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 Gail. Uh, how, uh, how are you this afternoon? I'm doing fine, Lachlan, and how are you today? I'm just fine. Thank you very much. Thank you, uh, and always thank you uh, for this opportunity that you give uh, me and the uh, uh, campaign and the party, and it's uh, really uh, wonderful exposure, and uh, thank you very much for that. Well, Lachlan, you've got a person on who's ready to ask questions already. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, you know, that's the best way to do it because, I, you know, I mean, one of the things that we're pretty uh, uh, adamant about in this campaign is that this is a dialogue. We're here to institute a dialogue, not to uh, uh, administer a doctrine. So I would love to hear from uh, whoever, whoever's there with a question or a comment. That would be great. That's great. So what I'm going to ask our caller to do is just give us two minutes so we can get into the show, Lachlan, and find out what this week's topic is about with you. Are you ready to do that? I, I, I am uh, I'm, uh, I'm as ready as I'll ever be, Gail. How's that? That sounds great, Lachlan. You know, being with you every week is amazing, and we've learned so much from you and also the callers in the past. We had Jane Harris on with you from New York. We talked about her business and small business. That was amazing. Last week yes. we talked with you know about the fact that you marched in the Puerto Rican Day Parade to show your support behind the Latin community and what the context, yes. you know, campaign was about, you know, and just yeah. so many amazing things when we talked about the stop and frisk law that you gave us some insight on last week, you know, so oh. I just really want people to know that, you know, Lachlan Arts is such a, an informed candidate and one who oh. really speaks for the everyday person, and we really have been experiencing that here with you on the show, so thank you so much right. for that. You're, you're, very, you're very welcome, it's my pleasure. Well, one of the things, Lachlan, you told us that we would be talking about is the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. And we do know yes. that we get that from you. So can you start us off with, you know, what is the truth, the whole truth, and nothing well, but the truth today? Yeah, all right. So it's, it's um, you know, as as we've said, I mean, in previous, you know, rallies, radio shows, you know, interviews, you know, is, is that uh, – the campaign really is about uh, initiating a new kind of a language. You know, one of the things, one of the quotes from uh, Richard Rorty that um, I very much identify with and that really is kind of one of the uh, founding uh, principles, I guess you could call it, um, in the campaign is that a, a talent for speaking differently rather than arguing well is the chief instrument of cultural change. And, uh, I just think the presidential race, you know, the whole presidential campaign, uh, campaigning, just the whole arena of presidential campaigning is just such, it's so fertile in terms of being able to examine this and really just, uh, again, kind of get to the facts about it because what, you know, what you just have is a lot of dueling points of view and alternating positions and, you know, 
this person against this person and this party against this party and the liberals and the conservatives and the neo this is and the you know all of that and um what what you find is that you don't get a lot of facts and this is not an attack on any of the candidates because again we're really working from the perspective of that there's a whole kind of culture that we all live in and there's a culture and a context that the campaign is happening and the whole presidential campaign is happening in and that you know we're to some degree kind of bound by those constraints right and, uh, right you know, and and what you don't need is the facts. What you need is you need facts, but you only need enough facts to make your view uh, the favorable view. So facts are really used to support a point of view rather than to get at an issue in a way that we can actually get something resolved for the issue. And that's the point that we're bringing up is that it's time to get it's time to get beyond the particular points of view because um, our campaign really is kind of a it's it's the absence of a point of view other than that we're offering up that it's time to examine the issues contextually instead of uh, from the point of view so that's um, that's that's what I'd say about that so that, that the first thing you've got to do is actually get to the facts but get to the facts in um, uh, without the drama, without the argument, without the here's how I'm going to prove that, you know, this is why it's gone wrong or this is who's to blame or this is why you should, um, you know, put me in office because I'm going to fix it or anything. Take all of that out of there. Let's just say, geez, you know, what's actually happening? And, well, it's, funny uh, it's funny you should say that, Marlon, because I know, you've, you know, un under this what you're sharing is, it points to so many areas of your campaign that you've been speaking about, you know, for us to take ownership in our communities and also right. for ownership of the way it's been and yes. actually be the context for a shift and in our partnership with government, you know. And yes. I'd like yes. to bring on our next caller who has sure. shared some things, you know, I know on your Facebook page and otherwise about things that they see in their neighborhood, things that they think, you know, a difference could be made. So are you ready to bring on our first caller? I, I love that. I love let, let Please give the listeners an opportunity to hear somebody but me. That would be a, a welcome. Okay. <laughs> Hello, caller. You are on. Hello? Hello? Okay, I hope that's me. Yes, it is, sir, and we'd love for you to say your, your, just your first name and the city and state okay. that you're calling from, sir. Okay, this is Kwasi. And what city and state are you calling from, sir? Um, from Bronx, New York. New York, New York. Yes, it's so sad. Happy to have you. <laughs> How great is that? The Bronx. How great is that? Come it's on. Bronx. <laughs> yeah. Welcome, Kwasi. And as you know that we're having uh, our this week's topic is the, tr the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. And what Lachlan is speaking about is various topics from the environment, our neighborhoods, education, like really taking on and being, you know, taking on what's in our neighborhood and the way it's been. So, share, you know, we'd love to get into a dialogue with you. So, Lachlan and, and Kwasi, take it away here. Great. Okay. All right. So, the truth and nothing but the truth. and. 
I know last week you uh, had a conversation about um, stop and frisk, and yeah. there was a big march, um, yes, silent march yesterday about um, yeah. stop and frisk. Yeah. However, my position and my point of view is that really, unless we are actually looking at the broader picture of our surrender yeah. of our rights in the yeah. hope of being safe, then stop and yeah. frisk is just a band-aid. And, and I think that since yeah. 9-11, the government has really grabbed, you know, that's a land grab on our on our individual rights, and yes. and we and we are we are more and more willing to surrender and and turn blind eye on certain issues, and at the same yes. time surrender on certain areas of our rights you now yes. to the government. You know, it's one thing yes. to talk about stop and frisk, you know, on the on the street, but. But we don't complain about being frisked when we enter the subway. That's right. You know, they, they put up those tables and, you know, and, and you go into the subway, they stop you to search your purses. You know, That's right. It's, it's the same thing. Or we are being frisked on the airways or frisked to That's enter right. an, um, an airplane, a play, um, right. an airplane. But more That's and more right. we are surrendering our rights and, and we are okay with it. Yes, yes. Yeah, I, I think I, so. Thank you. It's quasi, right? Yes. Yes. So th- thank you. I, I, uh, uh, it's it's the right kind of conversation. Okay. And again, um, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna offer a solution or an answer, but but I think I think we can offer something in terms of a where to go to work that would make a difference. And. Yeah. Uh, I think if you if if you look at 9/11 and of course 9/11 you know the events of 9/11 were horrific tragic you know there's no you know any way you slice it just awful all right yeah but what I don't think what or kind of what goes under the radar um, no pun intended in the whole you know surveillance and stop and frisk and all that deal but. You know, what doesn't get examined is that what what actually happened, you know, we're called the People's Ontological Party, right? And that um, one of the uh, kind of why we call ourselves that is that, that, that our, uh, we want people to at least consider that the language that we live in has a lot to do with shaping the quality of our life. And the the language that we live in changed with 9/11. Now, the attacks themselves didn't change it. What the attacks did was that there there were casualties, there was loss of property, there was you know asbestos poisoning, there was kind of all of the physical what actually happened in 9/11, but. The, the real aftermath of 9/11 is what ha- is what changed in the language or the dialogue or the conversation, both of what we lived in as Americans and what we lived in in terms of being global citizens. Uh-huh. And if you look at if you you know cause it, and again just as a suggestion and you know just as something to consider is that there was kind of maybe an illusion or whatever, but there was kind of this sense of being safe if you lived in this country. 
and that whatever was happening in the world and wars and whatever, that we were kind of immune to that or we were the superpower, we were the whatever, but it was kind of like, you know, kind of almost kind of an ignorance or an arrogance on our part that, you know, that was the rest of the world that, hey, this is America. And when that happened, something about that changed. I'm not saying that it's good or it's bad or, or shouldn't have changed or anything, but something changed. And, and if you listen, because, again, this campaign, we really we listen. How the conversation changes is that the people that other people are listening to start saying different things. And that's really all that happens. And if you listen to Bush's speech right after the attack, if you listen to what the politicians started saying, if you listen that what they started telling us is that we now had to be afraid. Yeah. What they started what they started telling us is is that the world was now different. We would never be safe again. That and, and they, they they said literally those kind of statements. Mm-hmm. And what what happened was we said, Oh, okay, that must be right, that must be true, so now it's a different world that I live in and I'm just going to basically do what other people tell me to do because it isn't the way that I thought it was anymore. Uh-huh. And it was and we went along thoughtlessly. And I'm not even saying that, it, that that we shouldn't have, and I'm not even saying that the world, you know, is safer or, or not like that, but, but we're the ones as Americans that said, and it's just like you said, Quasi, we're the ones that said, okay, you know what, you're right, you're the ones that can keep me safe, I can't really do that, that's going to be the government's job, so whatever you think you need, you just go ahead and do it, and as long as I'm, you know, still able to have a job and whatever and keep some of the freedoms that I have, you know what, it's cool, and that's the deal we made. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. And 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 to say anything any different to that was, was heard as treasonous. Yeah. Or that we were just ignorant and didn't really know how the world worked and and so, you know, again, once that line got crossed, it just opened the door wide open for all kinds of things to start happening. And, who, and how do we actually know if it actually has us be safer or not? Because, again, we don't really get the facts. Mm-hmm. We get what we're told. And it's, you so know, when I say the truth is glaring on no, sorry, Quasi. Yeah. Yes. One thing that's glaring on, and it really, and it really doesn't take a scientist really to figure this out. You know, walk into Penn Station, one of the busiest station um, areas in New York, with thousands yes. of people, and you see yes. a man dressed in a camouflage uniform carrying a submachine gun in Penn Station. Yes. Who's he going to shoot in Penn Station yes. with a submachine gun? Yes. Yes. <laughs> It's so ridiculous. I know. I know. <laughs> I know. But, you know, I mean, it, 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 look, I, was, I, 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 I was in Union Square this morning, just in Union Square this morning, and I heard this, you know, you know, police siren, and, you know, because you know, Union Square is, anyone that's familiar with New York, Union Square is just 
packed with policemen because, you know, they really have to make sure that they can keep all those, uh, you know, kids on bicycles under control. Um, a little jab there. I apologize for that, but it's uh, quite something when you're walking through the streets of Union Square and you see these, you know, kids knocked off their bicycles and handcuffed on the street with their, you know, heads in the pavement and uh, for doing nothing but riding a bicycle. But, um you know, and I heard the siren, and I looked over, and I, I didn't see a police car, and then I looked over, and I saw, and I'd forgotten these. I'd, I'd seen them in the past, but I forgot, is that they have taxi cabs that are um, uh, undercover police cars. Yeah. So they're yellow and everything, and got the meters and everything like that, but then they instantly turn into police cars, you know, like one of those science fiction movies, and all of a sudden there's flashing lights all over it, and... and uh, uh, you know, a guy pulled something over, uh, you know, pulled someone over for some violation or something. But, it's, uh, you know, we live, we live in a state that is founded on the government and only the government can keep you safe. And, uh, you know, you don't need to really know what's happening. Just trust mm-hmm. us. Yeah. And again, it's not—it's not that there, you know, you know, the stop and frisk deal. You know that there were, I think it was 685,000 stops, 685,000 stop and frisks this past year. Mm-hmm. You know, and and yeah, yeah, and in 2002 it was 100,000. Yeah. So it's gone up five over fivefold mm-hmm. in ten years. And it's not because crime has, has increased to that degree. And you were one of them, right? Did you say you were one of them? Yes, I was one of them. Can you share that experience with us, Quasi? Well, for me, this is not a new experience. You know, I was actually stopping a, a few, several years ago. I, I moved to Los Angeles. And as, as a New Yorker, I love to walk. Yeah, and I soon found out that in that in Los Angeles you really just don't walk. You now if yeah. you walk, you're a criminal. <laughs> yeah. So I yeah. quickly bought a car. <laughs> 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 and I, I remember that one day, one lunch, um, I was sitting in my car having my lunch, and as, as someone just saw someone coming up behind me in my rear in the rearview mirror, and I was just startled, yeah. and I look and said, "What do you want?" And he like he dragged me out of the car. It was it was a car. So, uh, oh. <laughs> but so that was my first encounter with you know being like being stopped and being searched. But uh, two three weeks ago, like in my own neighborhood, you know, I I was just I was just walking casually, slowly, and just looking yeah. at looking at the trees, looking at the birds. Yeah. And and this car just you know, pulled up against the curb. And two men came out, and I just, and they surrounded me. And what, mm. you know, what, what are you doing here? So, you know, this is my neighborhood. This is where I live. You know, and they oh. just put me up against the wall and uh, begin to turn out my pockets. <laughs> oh. So it, it's not young men. No, it, it's it's um, as it as it's told us, it's it's a it's yes. everyone. Yeah. Yes, but um, yeah, it, it's it's a harrowing you know, experience. You no, know, like you, you're re- you're reduced to being not really you know, a, a criminal. 
Exactly, and it, and it changes yeah. it changes you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, you still, you you're not you're not the, you're not the same after. Yes. Yeah, but still, that takes place in part of the larger conversation about security and safety. Yes, exactly. And what we surrender, exactly. you know, in, you know, in, for um, the things that we surrender in order to be safe. Because That's right. there is someone calling for stop and frisk. Believe, actually that's, believes that he is safer. That's right. That it makes him safer. That's right. Or makes us safer. Yes. And it does not. <laughs> it does. No, it, it doesn't. And that, and again, that's uh, and uh, you know, and what I say, well, you you know, we need to get to the truth. I I don't. I really want to make sure people are are aware that I don't say that lightly because it's unbelievably difficult to get to it. Yeah. Because because when there's basically no interest in it. Mhm. You know, I mean as a, you know, I I I like uh I really appreciate your uh when when you said Gail that I was I think you said I was a well-informed candidate. I I want to make sure that uh, you know that I'm I'm pretty much to the point as a candidate where I'm I'm I think I'm almost to the point where I'm informed as to the majority of what I'm not informed about. Mm-hmm. So for for example, you know, and, and I'm, I'm I'm that's a stretch, okay. So for example, when you talk about the economy and people say, okay, well, what's your stance on the economy? Because that's what people ask when you're a candidate, you know. Well, what's your stance on the environment, the economy, you know, uh, stopping, you know. So you you have to have an answer. Um, but again, the answer isn't really much to do with the facts. And if you talk about, well, what's the condition of the economy? Like, what actually is so? with regard to the economy, what's the facts about the economy? It's a daunting task to get to the facts. You no, know, with I'm, all the it, all the indicators, all the statistics, all of the, you know, uh, it, it's it's just incredible. Mm-hmm. But, in, but until we can get to the facts, you know, see, and I love, I, I really like the, I like the, I like the conversation you're having, Quasi, because, you really can get it down to the facts and say, okay, we said that we were going to institute stop and frisk or we were going to institute new policies and stop and frisk, and that's what happened. Like you said, somebody said, you know what, we're going we're gonna to up the percentages on this, we're going to increase the numbers of people that we stop, but somebody made that mandate. And let's mm-hmm. say that they made it, let's say that they made it because we needed to decrease crime by X percent, and this was going to be one of the actions that we were going to take or some of the policies that we were going to set. And now we can look back and say, okay, here's what actually happened. Here's what we did, and this was the result. Now did it produce it, yes or no? Who cares about who's right or wrong? Mm-hmm. But then to actually come out and say, we did this, it produced this, that's not what was intended it just doesn't work. It just doesn't work. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, take away the humiliation, the the dehumanization, the everything, all of the other horrific impacts and consequences that there are. People just being randomly stopped 
in their own neighborhoods, put up against the wall, detained without you know legal represent, representation, everything that's happening. Forget about that. The truth is, it just doesn't work. Mm-hmm. You know, look at everything that's been done since 9/11. You know, is terrorism been reduced or in? I mean, is that that's the kind of thing you want to look at to just say, you know what, folks, it didn't work. Yes, it did not work. I have a question for you, Harvey and Lachlan. My question to you both is, you know, Lachlan, as a person who's here in New York and you do business here in New York, you live here in New York, and Quasi is the same for you, two different people, two different backgrounds. What have you found as gentlemen, Quasi yourself, what have you found, you know, as far as the stop and frisk rule is here, you know, what have you seen of it personally, firsthand? Have you seen people being pulled over? Have you seen what Lachlan is speaking about, being pulled over without legal representation, don't even know why in your neighborhood? And Lachlan, I have the same question for you. Have you ever been stopped and frisked for any reason or seen it yourself? You know, I would love to know that what was your experience if you saw it happening to other people? Well, See, I've got an advantage here because I'm a tall white guy. Mm, okay. Okay, so I see it, and it hasn't happened to me. Now, I've had my knapsack stopped in the subway, and you know, or you know, stopped and had to go through my knapsack in the subway and things like that. But see, I know, I know. Again, this is part of the culture that we're in. I know when I'm walking through or I'm walking down the street, whatever, and those cops are coming the other way, if there's a black guy walking behind me or, you know, a Latino guy across the street or whatever, I know that the odds are I'm not the one that's going to get stopped. And I also know that the black guy walking beside me and the Latino guy across the street, they know the same thing. They're expecting it. You know, Lachlan, this is so profound what you're saying, and I, and I really would love Quasi to jump in here because for someone who is Caucasian to admit this lie is really not only authentic, number one, but it gives us an, a, a view from your eyes because this is really happening because sometimes, you know, a lot of our audience members hear for themselves as well that people turn a blind eye. They don't want to hear that. And so we really thank you for that authenticity of what you're sharing. And, Claudia, can you come in and, and, and share on exactly on this point that Lachlan just stated? Okay, so when I was stopped, you know, in 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 Los Angeles, you know, years ago, you know, for me, I was in that demographic group. I was a younger man, and as a younger man, yes. you know, I was a threat. But now I'm yes. older. I'm out of that demographic group, and I thought that I was safe. I was in a new demographic group. I was in the same uh. demographic, <laughs> so so it was for me. You know, I was really, I was, I was shocked, really. I, I was surprised. I thought yes. I outgrew that. I I entered the safe dem, uh, demographic. <laughs> yes. So so it uh, so it had nothing to do about the, um, about um, you could say it had more to do about race and about my the, the demographic, the age or the you know, yes. or the threat. Like yes. that, a young man yes. poses not the society. I would admit, as, as yes. a younger man, but even for me, myself, as a younger man, I was very radical. <laughs> yes, yes. And, I, <laughs> and, and when I was stopped, then I did, I did not take it lightly. I was really protesting. 
Yes, yes. And, yeah, and I was right in, you know, in, in, in a different context in terms of, you know, political protestings yeah. and things like that that, I, that I've been a part of. That's a different deal, but that's, that's other than stop and frisk because then, mm-hmm. you know, that's a, that's a different context that you're in because then you're just, you know, and no, again, this I, is no, not I a mean prote- I mean, I was, I was protesting to the officers who stop and frisk me. I was raging. Yes. I was angry. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And because I was I was still angry, I was like I was I was throat, um, um, uh, what's it called I was um, what they put a button around my neck, and I was choked. Yes. Almost near, yes. almost to death. Yes. So do you yes. think it's something I want yeah. to look at, um, Lachlan, to consider that yes. New York City has the largest police force, no, maybe the third largest police force in the world or, or That's army right. in the world. It's an army. That's right. That's right. And and it has grown. But before it has yes. grown this big, policemen were regular sight in a, you could actually see a policeman walking the beat. Yes. Now in many neighborhoods like for example like in thirty fourth street, you have private security guards replacing the police. Like in yes. uh, in Times Square in um, Lincoln Center. So the police yes. are not visibly walking the streets now. Yes. What are they, What is this large police force doing if they're not walking the beat? <laughs> that's right. No, absolutely. But, uh, that's absolutely. a question I ask myself. Well, now, you know, I, I'm so glad we got onto this stop and first thing. I want to change up a little bit here, Lachlan, and yep. we talk yep. about, and, and uh, Quasi, we do have another question for you if you don't mind. Um, so we talk about this is the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, and this goes into so many areas. And one of those areas you spoke about earlier, Lachlan, was the economy, okay? Yes, and, yes. And how it takes so much just to get to the facts. So, you know, yes. I'd, love, I'd love to ask um, Quasi while he's on here, um, Quasi, what do you do for a living, and how – is what you hear about the economy, you know, like what Laughlin says, never really getting the effects, how does it affect you with your livelihood? Would you speak to that, please? Okay, well, one of the things that I do, you know, I live in in the Bronx, and one is the poorest urban county in, uh, in, in, the, um, in the country, rather. Yes. And yes. so and I've been working with, um, with my neighbor, the Northwest Bronx Community and Clergy Coalition and the Kingsbridge Armory Redevelopment Alliance, to redevelop uh, the Kingsbridge Armory. The Kingsbridge Armory has been vacant for 17 years. And wow. And the mayor, yeah, for 17 years. And we really wanted really, to, to have the, the armory become a facility to benefit the neighborhood um, oh. with, job, with jobs and community programs for um, education, arts. But the mayor, you know, he was intent on the, and to, to see that, the, the armory should to be a shopping mall. That oh. really, that all that he can think of, really, um, we talk about education and about creating opportunities for people. His, his yeah. vehicle for opportunity is to create a mall where people are paid um, uh, less than a living with minimum wage, right? Yes. And, yes. Uh, and, and, and that's, a, that's an economic opportunity. No, yes. my community says no. That's not uh, that's not an opportunity for our people. 
You know, right. the opportunity to earn a to earn a minimum wage. You know, is not yeah. an opportunity. You know, and we yeah. um we rallied the city the um the city council and they override the um the mayor's veto you know, of the um the the RFP for the for the Kingsbridge Armory. Wow. So really, so really that gives a sense. Where, for them, any job you know, is a job. Oh. And I say that any job is not worthy of being called a job. Yes. You know, yes. Just the opportunity to earn a minimum wage. You no, know, it's not yes. entitled. It's not what our children really go to school for. That's right. That's a, right. <laughs> that's not an opportunity. Yes, and and you, you know, it's it's boy, Quasi, you're just. Uh, it's, I I am so happy you called. I mean, it's it's a direct expression of what we're talking about, right? Is that there's you know, there's kind of whatever the context that the mayor is working inside of that says that says okay, this is what should be done with this property, which is yeah. a valid valid in terms of if you're looking with the glasses on that he's got that's what you would do right uh-huh. or yeah. but but you that's not where you are uh-huh. so if you're if, but if you're looking from really what's going to develop the vitality of that community it wouldn't be a shopping mall absolutely not no right and and then you went in you took the action to go in and get the conversation that you're having to be the one that's actually going to win the day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It is winning the day. <laughs> I know. I think that's congratulations. And it, but but it isn't from there's something wrong with the mayor's perspective. It's just that where you are in that community, this you know this is what we're saying it needs. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Really and great, it's, really. Not only in New York, you know, we see this conversation uh, really across the country. You know, yes. we talk about jobs, and it's uh, okay. Right. We created X amount of jobs, but at what cost? Yes. That's <laughs> right. <laughs> no, it's, it's look. It, it's so it's so perfect, right? It, it's right and right inside the political deal, right? Is because what what you see the candidates doing, and again, nothing wrong with the candidates. This is the, the condition yeah. that we're in, but you see the candidates. All look the same things happening. There, the, you know the whatever's happening economically is really whatever's happening economically. But you've got the one side pulling out the statistics that make their case, and you've got the other side pulling out a different set of, set of statistics that makes their case. But the, but there's only one thing happening. The economy isn't different for the Republicans and the Democrats. Mm-hmm. And, and this brings us but, to the next. Is, but, no, I'm sorry. sorry. No, no, go. This, this, this brings us to the next question. You know, this is really great because this allows our listeners to hear it from someone who's in the community, someone who is taking on the responsibility of the community the way it has been right. and the way it is. That's right. And it's taking action. So, Quasi, we thank you for that. And I'd like to go a step further. So, Quasi, if you're working with people. Uh, in this way, is it safe to say that you are an entrepreneur? No, I, I'm. I'm not an, an entrepreneur. I'm an entrepreneur. I'm a. I'm a. It's a community volunteer. This is what I give my life to. Really, not outside yeah. of everything else that I do. Uh, this is my yeah. community. This is where I live. 
These are my oh. people, and I'm committed not to the upliftment of my people. And, yeah. and you know, I am the. Well, my view is that I am the government. The government oh, is not beautiful. the government. I am the government. You are. The people and is that's the government. Where was, we, that's where we are the government. That's right. That's yeah. right. It's not for yeah, them to tell me what's going to happen to this property. I have to say what's happened. What's what's going to become of this property? That's right. That's right. See, I want to. Uh, and again, just sort of keep the pic- picture big, quasi, because I know you, you're, you know, you started off with your comment to look, it's the big picture. See, there was a time, there really was a time when po- the police, you know, the whole uh, law enforcement, what, that, it, that the context really was serving and protecting. Yeah. You know, the, that it really was, it really was. And then, you know, one of the things that I just, um, really have found fascinating in this whole campaign that we've got here is that we the historical tracing back to when things shifted which is when people started saying different saying things that they hadn't been saying before and mm-hmm. uh you know one of the one of the times that you can kind of look to in history where the law enforcement shifted from service to uh kind of domination, compliance, um, adherence, that kind of thing, right? Control is, you know, back when they, uh, you know, the union busting back in the steel days. Uh And when, you know, kind of in those instances where somebody, and it's always, you know, some human being, some government official, whatever, said, okay, we're going to send the police in, or you even look at instances like Kent State, or you look at, and I remember when I was growing up, I remember, you know, in the, in the, the riots in the Democratic Convention in 68, and, you're, and it, was, it was, you saw, you saw it changing, and you literally were kind of in the presence of the police, it's changing, you know what I mean? It's, it's really changing. That Because that, I remember when I first saw those kind of things, it was shocking, and now it's not shocking anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not, it's not shocking to see police go in and just start tear-gassing students. It's not shocking to see, it, you know, it, it just isn't shocking anymore. And it's, it's not shocking because we've been so inundated with, but it's for your own good. Mm-hmm. And as long as it's not really happening to you directly, well, you know what? It's still, it's you know, we're still on the right side here. And and it's, yeah. I just think it's time to, it's time for people to get shocked again. It's time for it to be shocking. Not be, in in how far it's come from the design of it, law enforcement. It was just, it wasn't designed like this. It wasn't designed to keep everyone in line. So, so one of the things I want to bring to forbear here that Mofflin's our audience and that Quasi is sharing, we're talking about the economy and we're talking also about the protection of our law enforcement. We're talking about how government was set up to serve and persevere in partnership. And, you know, if we were to summarize what both, Quasi, you're saying, what you're saying, Lachlan, 
you know, it's almost like what do each of us wake up to each day? What is our purpose? What if we gave ourselves to our purpose or what makes makes a difference that we enjoy? We gave ourselves, each person gave that to 100% of themselves to that every day. Then our government, as Quasi said earlier, would be all of us and we would be in partnership with one another. And so that brings me to the next question, Rosalind, from what you talked about our law enforcement was set up and quality what you've been speaking about with your um, experience of stop and frisk and all of this. I mean, all of it comes down to the same point. I'm going to just veer off for a second and go to something else, Lachlan, that you spoke up earlier in the conversation. Again, it comes down to economics, terrorism, how we, how this country has set up people to view and be fearful of things, has also yeah. a lot to do with how we do business with one another because in our small uh, neighborhoods, quasi, we have people who look to us. People automatically think they may be terrorists, but they're not. You know, they could be Pakistan, Saudi Arabia, Egyptian, or whatever. And they're people just like us. And uh-huh. sometimes during those times of 9-11, we didn't frequent those stores if we thought they looked that way. And that comes down to small small business again, you know, us connecting with the people in small business in our neighborhoods and so forth. And, Quasi, so I go to you again with this question because since you are supporting um, your neighborhood, do you also see that, uh, you know, being that you're in an urban neighborhood, you're in the county that you shared is one of the poorer counties that you feel, um, do you see businesses opening and closing and do you think it's just a matter of the neighborhood supporting them? Can we get your, you know, since you're there firsthand in your neighborhood in that way, can you share with us your observations on that? Oh, but, you know, I, matter of fact, if, if one really goes up to, for example, like on White Plains Road, you know, for me that, that I like going up to White Plains Road and really seeing all these little stores up on White Plains Road and all and and really how people really actually live together. And I believe even that, that immigrants, the people from different backgrounds, from different um, cultures, we really do yeah. get along. And, and yeah. on the community level, that people do get along and people uh, in, our, in our communities. And people have different values, different concerns, and, and different attributes. But we do get along and we respect each other. And we respect the... Yeah. Um, the the, um, the the Chinese um, the Chinese restaurant. He may not participate in everything that we do in the community, but 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 he's respected. But I do, but stepping out outside the community and looking at the greater society, I really I don't see that that type of of, of respect um, oh. and um, and and comradeship. And I'm really getting along with. But oh. I think on the neighborhood level. You know, I I do see that. Yeah. Uh, but I think really one place where I think where where that's where that falls apart, I think when it comes to um, politics and community involvement. For example, like the the project that I'm working on. You know, I don't see that like really it's difficult. I mean, it's a, you know, difficult, not really a good term to use, but. The challenge you know, is to really get every challenge really yeah, is to get everyone in the community you know, to participate in the community. And um, mm-hmm. most people are just driven at us to go to work, take care of what they have to take care of, and then go back in and close their doors. Yeah. 
that, yeah. and that's how I yeah. was. That's how I was for a while. Uh. So I, I can have, I can be compassionate, you know, um, that, yeah. you know, because I was that way. So really, yeah. and, that, and that's the big challenge. We have to get people to actually participate and actually get to uh-huh. see themselves as actually uh-huh. that the street light on the corner does not, if it's broken, the mayor doesn't. The mayor will not know that it's broken unless someone brings it to the mayor's attention, oh. and it's just oh. who who's going to bring it to attention. It's not going to be repaired. The mayor, the mayor is not sitting with a um, with a ledger to know yeah. when your street corner needs um, the lamp needs to be changed, when there's the crosswalk needs to be um, adjusted. Yeah. If the community does not get involved and actually see to it that that happens, it will not happen. Yes. Yes, no, and, I, and I love it. I lo- I, yeah, and, and you know, one of the – yeah, sorry, Cozy, I, I didn't let you finish. Yeah, I, I'm, yeah I'm finished, yeah, yeah. Okay, because one of the, you know, one of the, one of the stands of our campaign is that this is mine. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that like you said, it's, it's, it's not easy because the kind of the first step you've got to take – before you can say this is mine, is that you have to, you know, do a little soul searching in terms of, you know, the, the degree to which you've given up. Yeah. Or the degree, the degree to which you've said, you know what, it's just too big or somebody else will take care of it or I'm just too tired and I'm working two jobs and, you know, uh, I get home with, the, you know, all I can do to help my kid with their homework and, you know, have enough energy to make some dinner and that, that you want me to involve with the community. I mean, forget it. Yeah. Um, so, so like you said, you got compassion for that, but it's, uh, you know, it's really, it's, you know, it's enlivening uh, yeah. when you when you've gone through that and said, you know what, this is mine. It is my community. It is my neighborhood. It is my block. I'm the one that has, you know, the say about how it's going to go here. I've got a government that's set up to support me. I've got a police department that's set up to support me. I'm going to start getting in with those, you know, groups and organizations and whatever community groups I've got. And, uh, you know, and this place is mine. And, uh, um, Gail, I want to do, I'd like to do a shameless plug if I could. <laughs> sure. <laughs> so, um, and I want to take, you know, as we said, I think on last week's show, you know, that we were in the, uh, the Puerto Rican Day Parade, and that was, you know, just really uh, amazing. And uh, this weekend, uh, you know, one of the other groups that was, you know, represented yesterday on the parade that you talked about, the uh, 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 Stop the Stop and Frisk parade quasi, is, the, you know, the whole um, lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender community, which also has, uh, you know, lots of above-the-average instances of being stopped and frisked. And, uh, you know, for things as simple as, you know, walking down the street and, you know, holding your boyfriend or your girlfriend's hand or, you know, whatever that is. And, you know, again, the police only have to say that, you know, it's justified in their mind and you're able to be stopped. So um, we're going to be marching this Sunday in the Pride Parade. And, uh, you know, for anybody that's maybe not familiar with the Pride Parade, it's, you know, one of the biggest parades in New York. Uh, goes all the way down Fifth Avenue. Uh, massive parade about usually about a half a million people march and then there's another half a million uh, people viewing and uh, lots of coverage um, 
just a great, great, great opportunity to get our message out about the campaign. And so we've got a, we're officially in the parade um, as the uh, uh, campaign for context contingency. And so we really invite anyone listening, um, uh, you know, getting the word out, bringing your friends. You know, we're going to get some great signs and placards made up and at some banners, and it's going to be, you know, uh, fun as well as uh, difference-making, and we would just love to have everybody come down and really make a, a real stand and uh, march with us in the Campaign for Context and the Pride Parade this Sunday. We'll, uh, uh, you know, get all the details about that out on the website and the different uh, sites that we've got with the Facebook and Twitter and all like that, but please, if you're available uh, to come and march with us this coming Sunday, the uh, 24th, uh, we would love to have you. So that's my uh, that's my plug, Gail, all right? Okay, and on the heels of that, Quasi, we just want to thank you for being on the show today with us and being able to, you know, offer so many different sides of the coin on, you know, the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, because in speaking with you, we really got to see a bird's-eye view of what each person living in a neighborhood interacts with. And it doesn't matter whether it's in the Bronx, Jersey City, uh, Manhattan, or or Queens, or Staten Island. Yeah. It is yeah. happening all over. So, Quasi, thank you for your time with us today to, to really yeah. offer your, the experiences that you've gone through. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Thank you. Really, okay. thank you, Quasi. It's really an honor to, to uh, have you call in and get to have that conversation with you. So, so thank you, really. So I want everyone to know, Lachlan uh, Arts, who is presidential candidate for 2012 of the People's Ontological Party, will be walking in the the, the Gay Pride Parade this weekend. And you'll find all the information you need to know at the facebook.com forward slash Lachlan, which is spelled L-A-U-G-H-L-I-N for president. Again, that's www.facebook.com forward slash Lachlan for President, or you can also find this information at LachlanforPresident.com, of course. So with that said, we're going to close out the show. Thank you, Lachlan, for being on Lunch with Lachlan. And Quasi from Bronx, New York, thank you for being on the show. Thank you, both. Thank you. All right, thank you very much. Bye.